When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. What's up, Sunbelt Nation? Welcome in to yet another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Matt Miguez here, joined by Brian Stone, your Louisiana and Georgia Southern writers, respectively. Brian, we got a lot to talk about. I mean, it was it was a it was a crazy week twelve in the Sun Belt. Uh, it's looking like it could be a crazy week thirteen, and then there's a bunch of stuff off the field that we need to get into. Yeah, a lot of coaching potential coaching changes. A lot of coaching changes, or some coaching changes have already happened. Uh, obviously, Georgia Southern got in into the coach hiring position earlier this year, uh, but we're we're on we're getting closer to what is it Black Monday. Yeah. where all these coaches are going to start getting pink slips. Um, I'm kind of surprised Texas State hasn't made a move at this point. Uh, I feel like losing to Georgia Southern a couple weeks ago is pretty unforgivable, uh, even if you think, you know, he, he's building something in San Marcos. But Yeah, uh, I mean, I, what, what the fact that he hasn't gotten the door yet goes to show me that they're not going to boot him this year. Um, I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. They might just be letting him finish out the season, but I don't know. There, there's a lot's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. Like Brian said, leading up to black Monday. Uh, let's just go ahead and dive right into the scores from this past Saturday. You had seven games in the Sun Belt, Almost all of them non-conference. Uh, four of the seven were non-conference Louisiana going up to Lynchburg, Virginia, and taking care of business 42 to 14 over the Liberty Flames. Uh, you know, from from my perspective, being being the Louisiana guy for underdog, it, it was a it was a sloppy first half. Um, it, it was really defense and special teams keeping the Cajuns in it. Uh, offense was horrible in the first half, but uh, you know, defense did a good job of of pressuring Malik Willis. We sacked him seven times throughout the game. Uh, we forced him to throw two interceptions. Uh, Chauncey Manack, our, our outside linebacker, tied his season total in sacks in the first half. <laughs> he had four of them in the first half. was nuts, man. Absolutely nuts. Um, our, our field goal holder, who also plays special teams coverage, blocked a punt and returned it for a touchdown. Um, just one of those games where everything at first it was sloppy for both teams. And then as the game went on, everything seemed to go right for the Cajuns and nothing seemed to go right for the flames. Uh, so with that, the Cajuns improved to 10 and one on the year, third straight season with double digit wins under Billy Napier. We'll get, can I, can I just say something real quick about this game? Yeah. Uh, 
I said this when Zeke and I previewed it last week. I thought the line on this game was crazy. I thought the fact that Liberty was a four-point favorite was a joke. Uh, I said Liberty has been coasting off of that goodwill they built up last year. Yeah. And I was like, all of the outlets that are constantly mocking Malik Willis to go in the first round of next year's NFL draft have not seen him play this year. Well, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Um, anybody that wants to put the Cajuns an underdog, totally okay with it. Because if you scratch out the Texas game, if you just take that away from the season, there are two other games this year that the Cajuns were an underdog. App State and Liberty. I, I th- and the funny thing is, I feel like if you guys played Texas today, you might we would we would beat probably them. beat Texas. We would. <laughs> we would. I want. It was just unfortunate I, when you I as them. well I as well as the rest of the Louisiana fan base believe that if that game was played any later than it was, it'd probably be a different story. Um. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, mean, I was like, I was like four points. Like, why is Liberty? Fa- I know they're the home team, but like, if you were going to say it's an even line and give the, the, the benefit to the home team, it should be a three point line. So it, yeah. I, I was like, I, I told Z class week when we were doing the preview, I was like, give me the Cajuns, give me the money line. Give them, give me them straight up. Give me them against the spread. Like they're going to win this game outright. Yeah. And, and I mean, I was like, I, I have a long-standing theory that like Vegas, for the most part, does not watch G five football. They don't. So no I way they like, do. I feel like the money is really betting on these games that are like Arkansas State, Georgia State, or you know whatever. Uh, where it's like, it's like, why is Georgia State a sixteen and a half point favorite? Oh, probably because no one's watched them play outside of last week against Coastal Carolina. Right. You know what I mean? It's just stuff like that. Like that's where the money I feel like is. Yeah, no, no question about it. Like I said, with the win, Louisiana improves to ten and one, still undefeated in the Sun Belt at seven and zero. Oh. Uh, they they face a tough in-state rival in UL Monroe this Saturday. Next game on the schedule: Coastal Carolina taking care of Texas State, thirty-five to twenty-one. You know, up until. God, what was it? The the third quarter. This was a close game. I mean, it was it was tied at 14 yeah. at halftime. Yeah. Um, you know, Grayson McCall came back in this one. It's it's uh too little too late. Uh in the in coastal season. Um, you know, last week effectively Five ended touchdowns. any it, yeah. Last week affected the loss last week to Georgia State effectively ended any chances they had at the uh, Sun Belt title game because there was no there was no way in hell that App State was going to lose both of their final two games to Troy and Georgia Southern. There was just no way. Um, so, I mean, good for him. He can go pad his stats and they'll go to an OK bowl game, but it's not going to amount to too much more than that. Think about this, Matt. If you ever want to talk crap to, to Coastal fans, and I'm giving this to you as ammo. I'm not saying this from me because my team sucks. Ooh, I'm ready. Coastal's biggest game in their program history is one that never happened. <laughs> the game never took place. Oh, my God. And, but Oh, but in, in their mind, it did because you remember the pictures of them getting the trophy at practice. Yeah. And and their their championship rings that they made last year and no they they're the champs. 
Don't you know? Well, like I said, the game never actually took place. So that was the biggest game in there. I guess you could also make the argument it was BYU, but the biggest game in for them and their program is one that never actually took place. That's hilarious. I never even thought about that. <laughs> Moving on, Georgia State over Arkansas State, 28-20. to 20. Not much of a surprise here. Um, Darren Granger did okay. It was a letdown spot, man. They were coming off of their biggest win ever over Coastal. Um, like I said a little earlier, the 16 and a half points that they were getting oh, yeah. uh, coming into this one was absurd. Um, Zeke last week, the Georgia State guy was like, uh, who made this? Right. <laughs> he, was like, right. he was like, who set this line? And Dude, I was the, like, the, I agree. The, lines, the lines all year have been just egregious. Like, Perfect example, and we'll get into this week's schedule when, when we finish recapping last week's. But, dude, you look at the ULM-Louisiana game. There's no reason the Cajuns should be a 22-point favorite. You think it should be more or less? Less. I don't know. Say say what you want about LSU. But ULM was just a couple of plays away from tying that game. Mm-hmm. And you, you've seen it. They beat Liberty. They've beaten. Uh, they beat Troy. I mean, again, say what you want about Troy. They just fired Chip Lindsey. But mm-hmm. like, they're not a bad team. Yes. So and and it's a rivalry game, and you know how that goes. You guys got apt this week. Mm-hmm. Um. So I mean, when, when rival, you can throw the whole season out the window. It really doesn't matter th- up to this point. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that it's a 22-point spread is mind-boggling to me. I just thought that the, this was this Georgia State-Arkansas State game was, like, the perfect example of uh, recency bias. Like, just because they beat a shorthanded coastal team that was starting Bryce Carpenter at quarterback last week, there was no reason they should have been more than two touchdown favorites. And I was just like, this is absurd. There, there's you can't trust Georgia State to win a game by 17 points. You just can't. No. Like it doesn't matter who they're playing. So I mean, Darren Granger, like you said, uh, inconsistent once again. Uh, 10 of 21, 152, and a pick. Yeah. Jemias uh, Williams, 20, 125 yards and two scores. Yeah, I mean it, it was it was the running game that won them this game. It was it, Darren Granger had no hand in it. Um, you know, Arkansas State obviously str- continues struggling through a rough season. Um, I, I think they need to go away from what they've been doing and maybe try to get more balanced on offense heading into 2022 because this, th- I, I hate to say it, Hatcher and Blackman and whoever else they want to bring in at quarterback, they can't throw the ball 50 times a game because they ju- they're just not talented enough offensively to do it. Right. It works when you've got three receivers Omar that Bayless are all amazing. And Kirk Merritt and right. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it doesn't work when you don't have Omar Bayless as right. your as your number one ex receiver and you know, you don't have Kalen Geiger or whatever and all these guys. So it's just like yeah, like you you may need to get more balanced on offense. And yeah. this was the problem that Butch Jones had at Tennessee, if you think about it, because he had Alvin Kamara 
and Alvin Kamara never played. Yep. <laughs> I mean, not really, you know. Right. I mean, dude, I'll, I'm a Saints fan. Yeah. When we drafted Alvin Kamara, I said, who? Yeah. Who's, well, he who's, was, who's that guy? He, he was the backup to Jalen Hurd. Who? Exactly. But it was like he was the backup to Jalen Hurd, and, and Butch Jones was dead set on Jalen Hurd being their starter. So, like, he's got a track record of doing this, but they need to get more balanced if they want to make, I mean, no, you know, win some conference games next year. Now, looking at Alvin Kamara, I'm like, God, I love that guy. Mm-hmm. But when we drafted him, I was like, running back from Tennessee, why haven't I heard of him? No idea who imagine, imagine looking at that guy in practice every day and being like, mm, nah. Yeah, not him. <laughs> Anyways, moving on, App State dismantles the Trojans in what would be Chip Lindsey's swan song, 45-7. to seven. Chase Bryce, I mean, outside of the two picks, very efficient. 17 and 24, 212 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Nate Noel, 102 yards and a score on the ground. Thomas Hennigan did what he's done all year. Seven catches, 85 yards and a score. Um, Troy's, or uh, uh, Appalachian State's defense, sorry, was amazing in this yeah. one. Uh, Troy had 142 yards of total offense. Troy had six Jesus. first downs the whole game. <laughs> hey, Jesus. and just just think in two weeks you get your wish. You get to face App State in the Sun Belt title game just like you wanted. Yippee. <laughs> Moving right along. Number 14, BYU taking care of Georgia Southern 34 to 17. Brian, you know, looking at this game, you were without Tomlin and Cam Ransom. But third stringer, uh, hold on, don't don't tell me, Connor Shigelski. It's close enough. Okay, cool. Uh, freshman out of Atlanta, you know, 11 to 14, 122 yards and an interception. He didn't get any passes in the end zone, but if, if you take out the interception, he only threw two in, incompletions. I mean, that's pretty efficient. Yeah. Yeah, I, as as with 95% of our losses this year, I completely lay this at the feet of the coaching staff. Um, this game was 20-17 to 17 heading into halftime. Sigelski had looked good uh, for what they were asking him to do. I mean, they weren't asking him to go out and throw an 80-yard bomb every single time he was out there. Um, he, was, he was efficient with his passes. And then I can tell you the exact point where the train came off the tracks. Uh, I believe Georgia Southern was down 10. I think it was 27-17 in the third. And they brought in a like a wildcat quarterback and let him try to throw the ball in the red zone. And it got picked off by BYU. And that was the ball game, folks. That was the point where it was definitely over. And um, this game could have been even uglier. Uh, uh, BYU, when the game was wrapping up, had the ball in Georgia Southern's within the Georgia Southern 15 or so and could have easily scored again and made it 41-17 and just elected to kind of run the clock out and take some knees. Um, This game was not as – I mean, the first half was good. This game was not as close as the final score even indicates. Uh, Georgia Southern got bullied in the second half. So – 
I mean, you, you've said it all year that this is not your typical Georgia Southern team. Uh, you don't believe that anybody currently on staff will, will be there under Clay Hilton next year. Um, so, I mean, at this point, you kind of have to write the season off for what at it this is. Point. <laughs> well, really at this point, but you probably could have written it off a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. But, no, I mean, from, from, from an outsider's perspective – the, the season that you guys have gone through to, to see the players, the players at least, put up a fight for the first, you know, two and a half quarters against the 14th ranked team in the country shows some promise and potential for 2022. Well, I, I wrote this in my recap. The, it was not an issue of effort in this game. It was... They're not as talented or deep as BYU is at all their positions, uh, and they're not well coached. Right. I mean, BYU's head coaches or you know, just coaching staff is way more cohesive and has like a, a solid idea of what they want to do. You can say what you want about how BYU recruits the Mormon players, and that's how they are constantly replenishing like their play, you know, holes that they have to fill. Right. But they don't hire lame duck coaches, which is like one thing that I have to like take my hat off to them for. It's like Bronco Mendenhall and then Sataki, I guess is how you right, pronounce right. him, their current head coach. They're both good coaches. They don't hi- they don't completely whiff on entire coaching staffs. Right. So credit to them. I mean, they they came in that like I said, this could have been a lot uglier. Um it felt like they were kind of taking their foot off the gas there towards the end, but um. Yeah, I mean, it, it went roughly how I thought it was going to go, although I didn't think the first half was going to be as close as it was. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, like you said, there was there wasn't a lack of effort there, and like that's promising for for next year, season one under Clay Helton, Tennessee. The best way I can describe this game is Tennessee tied up South Alabama's arms and legs, and just banged them into a wall repeatedly. That's a violent uh, metaphor. 60 to 14. Yeah. I, uh, South Alabama had nothing, had nothing for Tennessee. Tennessee had just come off getting drubbed by Georgia the week before. Uh, there was no – South Alabama never had a chance, man. Tennessee was out for blood. And the second touchdown didn't come until it was 56 to 7. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then and then Tennessee ends the game getting four points off of safeties. She like, oh my god, that's just. Uh, oh, I, I mean, I know this isn't an SEC podcast, but I definitely think Tennessee has a has a solid head coach in uh, Heupel. For the yeah. first time in a long time, they have a solid head coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember people making the joke that it was uh, UCF two because don't they have UCF's but, old AD too? They do, but the thing that everybody missed about that is UCF worked. Right. Like that program worked. So right. like maybe it was a good idea. <laughs> maybe, maybe they were smart about it. Yeah, I mean Heupel doesn't have his his guys in yet, but if if he's able to recruit like the level of talent that you should get in the SEC at Tennessee and he also has the scheme like I, I and, think they could be a real contender in the East. And, you know, I just want to say this. People have been talking about Josh Heupel today because he was 
quoted in his press conference this morning saying that any any players that couldn't go home to their families for Thanksgiving <coughs> would be eating Thanksgiving dinner at his house or at an assistant coach's house. I just want to say that our coach, Billy Napier, said the same exact thing on the radio this morning. Josh Heupel is not the only good guy in America. Well, when, when Napier's the head coach of the Gators, he'll get that same level of recognition. <sighs> Ugh. And the last Sunbelt game of this past week, LSU and ULM, 27-14 to 14 in favor of the Tigers. You know, Brian, you and I were talking about this game just a second ago. ULM was a couple of bad plays away from tying this game up. Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is, like, when you just look at it from a stats perspective, like, there's there was no reason this game should have been as close as it was, other than the fact that LSU's uh, rushing attack is not, I think it's the second it's worst pretty, pretty in bad. the SEC statistically. Um, I, I mean, but you know, Max Johnson's a good quarterback. Um, there really should have been no reason why this game was as close as it was, but you know, LSU, the whole thing with Orgeron kind of, they kind of feel like they're just like waiting through go, whatever's left of this season go, and just go, kind of go, go Tigers. They're on to 2022, man. They, it just feels like they're just yeah. like, all and, right, let's, and just get this, let's just get this over with. They're on to 2022 when Ed shows up to their office Christmas party. <laughs> That's still so funny to me. Oh, my God. Anyways, so that was your week 12 wrap-up. Moving on to week 13. Five games on the schedule, one of them coming this Friday on Black Friday, and then the other four being on Saturday. No, game number one on Friday, Coastal Carolina, South Alabama. It is from Hancock-Whitney Stadium in Mobile. South Alabama, currently a 15-point underdog. Give me Coastal in the 15. Yeah. Um, if, if McCall if, is If McCall's play, healthy, yeah. It, sure. There's no way. Like, you saw what just happened to, you know, South Alabama. If, uh, if Bentley's out, I want no part of anything right. South Alabama's doing. Yeah, I agree with you. Give me, give me coastal on the points. Um, again, if Grayson McCall's healthy, there's just there's no reason why coastal doesn't take care of business. Much like shoppers on Black Friday, I feel like coastal is going to run all over the Jaguars. <laughs> oh, he went there. He made a Black Friday <laughs> reference for the Black Friday football game. Jeez. <laughs> Four games on Saturday. Number one, UL Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, actually, this is not number one. This is going to be the last game on the schedule. But since UL, U, Louisiana is my favorited team on my ESPN app, it pops up on the schedule first. So we'll just continue with it. Uh, Louisiana, a 22-point favorite at home for senior day. I I think Louisiana wins, obviously. Uh, ULM, I think is able to keep it within the 22, but I don't think it's for the reason that you think. I think once you guys get up, you guys are going to rest your starters because you have a big game coming down the pipe. And it really... But you see, that's... It that's really the... does not matter. And we had the same discussion last year, and I'll, and I'll make the same point again with you guys and App. These games do not matter. They don't. Like, they, it, don't. they are rivalry games, but you guys have bigger... Th- stakes to play for we have, we have nothing to play so, for this saturday 
So you could literally start your starters for the first half and bench them for the second half and win or lose, and, it does not matter. And, and 100%, I'm sure that's the game plan. However, <coughs> we have had a tendency this season of, of not starting games hot. If you want to well, maybe put your backups in in the first half and then put your starters in the second half. I was about to say if if you want to rest your starters, you're going to have to come out and put points on the board early so that you can put the game away. Well, think about it this way. I think with the what is it the access bowl is out of reach for you guys and app. Technically, whoa. you two could whoa, whoa. Bo- whoa, whoa. What? Why is it out of reach for us? Uh, I mean, you're not the highest ranked G5 team. What if Cincinnati gets into the playoff? UTSA is ranked ahead of you. For now. I I, I don't think that you guys beating UL Monroe and App, who are both unranked, are going to propel you ahead of unless, an already ranked UTSA team. Unless UTSA loses. This is a lot of ifs, hands, or buts. Well, I mean, for sure, but it's also college football in November. Well, what what happens if the committee does what everybody thinks they're going to do and well, puts Cincinnati at five, and then it doesn't matter one well, way or the right, other? Then, yeah, then, then it's irrelevant. Well, this is what I'm saying. Technically, you guys and App could both sit your starters for the full game and win or lose, it would not matter because yep. you're both going to the t- title game. The chances of you guys going to the Access Bowl or whatever it is where it's G5 versus P5, you know, at large for both sides, chances are small because you both already have a loss in your resume and there's yep. already two undefeated G5 teams ahead of you guys. So, I mean, I'm sure you guys are going to play your starters at least for a half, but realistically the outcome of these two games doesn't matter at all 100 percent uh personally if you, if you want my bowl projection i think we're going to go to the new orleans bowl and play utsa so do you think in that case cincinnati doesn't make the playoff then? cincinnati gets left out of the playoff they get the spot in the access bowl and then we play utsa in the new orleans bowl see i think cincinnati's going to be four I think they're going to end up at four. I mean, I would like to see that. I think they deserve it. Well, it's like, I think, I think Georgia beats Alabama yeah. in the sec title game, eliminating Alabama from the equation. Uh, you see, you see, I, I just, state's going to beat Michigan. So Michigan's out with two losses. You see, I, I disagree with Bama being totally eliminated from the equation. Cause let me, let me tell you, let me tell you what I'm thinking. Let me with tell you two what I'm losses, thinking. There's no way. There's no way you can stick them in let there. Me, let me tell you what I'm thinking. If this sec title game is just some instant classic, you know, last second touchdown, last second field goal type of game. Bama's making the playoff. No. If Bama loses, they're done. Yeah. There's never if, been I think I'm fairly sure I'm pretty confident in this stat. There's never been a multi-loss team in the playoffs as in the history of the playoffs. But the multi-loss team has never been Alabama. They've been, I mean, they have been left out and stuff like it's happened. They, I, I just, this is not the, the Alabama of the previous couple of years where it's like they're beating everybody by 50 and, and you can't, yeah. like they barely beat Arkansas last weekend. So I think Georgia beats them in the SEC title game. 
I, I think whether it's close or not, it doesn't even matter because then you've got all these other one loss teams lined up behind them waiting, waiting to get in over them. So I don't think Alabama with two losses, like if, if you want to say Cincinnati gets left out, that's fine, but there's still going to be one loss teams behind them waiting to jump them. So it's like, I, I don't know. I just, I think Cincinnati's going to get in. I think UTSA is going to get the big at large bowl bid and it's oh. going to be, you guys are in like the New Orleans Bowl or whatever. You see, but, U- UTSA's fan base is slowly starting to remind me of Coastal from last year. Well, I mean, they don't have any reason not to be like high on the hop. Well, right, but also, like, it, it's just one of those things. We we said this last year about Coastal. You, you can be proud of what you're doing because, it's, it's, I mean, obviously it's something to be proud of, but at the same time, this is your first taste of success. Well, I mean, do it, I'm going to say it, the same thing. Do it with a little bit of humility. I'm going to say the same thing I said last year about Coastal. If I was in their shoes, I'd be doing the exact same thing. Because I'd you be got you got UTSA fans posting on social media, oh, we're the best team in Texas. Oh, we're the best team in Texas. Are you? That might be true. Have you looked at the other teams in Texas? You're better than Baylor? I'd like to see it. Baylor has two losses already, man. Yeah, but they're not playing Conference USA schools. I mean, I agree, but, like, if if they came out and played Baylor, I mean, I don't think it would be out of the realm of possibility to be like, okay, they might be the second best team in the state of Texas. Two of the Power Five schools in Texas have already fired their head coaches. Yep. One is might might fire their first year head coach. That's that's asinine. So I mean, maybe you know they can puff out their chest. They can do the UCF national champions, you know, thing or whatever. But like, like I said, if I was in those shoes, I'd be doing the exact same stuff. I'd be Although, obnoxious. Shout out to our editor Jared, who's a who's a UTSA guy. I'm not talking about you, man. Just talking about everybody else in, in y'all's fan base. Anyways, Arkansas State, Texas State. 1 o'clock ESPN Plus next Saturday. It is in Jonesboro. And the Red Wolves have a two-point edge. I think you could flip a coin on this one. Yeah. Take your pick. Uh, I, I say Arkansas State. Yep. Arkansas State I at home. I, I don't know. It really doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> like both of these teams, these two, this is a matchup of the only two teams in the Sun Belt that have lost to Georgia Southern this season. Hmm. So I think you could literally flip a coin on it. No, you know what? I'll take Texas State. Changing your mind? Yeah. I think Texas State plus two. Um, I think Texas State was a better... Arkansas State may be getting better. I don't know. But Texas State was a better, was a closer contest with Georgia Southern. So that's that's literally all I'm going to base it off of. <laughs> Troy and Georgia State, um, six and five, five and six. Troy has to win to get into a bowl game. It is in Atlanta and Georgia State minus six and a half. Is it weird if I think Troy wins this game? I think they do too. I think coming off of having your head coach fired. I think they do too. 
I think having to win to make a bowl, win and you're in bowl game stuff. I think Georgia State did not look good last week. Uh, they beat Arkansas State by eight, but they, they clearly were coming down off the high of being coastal. Um, yeah, I think Troy. I'd like to know who the intern for Troy is because if it's a big, beefy offensive line coach, is there uh, <laughs> intern? And the guy is just like slamming his head against lockers to get guys fired up. I, you I mean love like, Troy. You mean like Sean Elliott? Yeah. Like if he's a Sean Elliott type, like right. give me Troy all day. Yep. Now, if he's the DB's coach and I'm speaking from experience here, I don't want anything to do with it. And <laughs> the last game of the Sunbelt season, Georgia Southern App State. Sorry, bud. App minus 24 and a half. Give me app and the points. <laughs> um, app wins by it's, it's app, nothing app, personal. App it's nothing wins. personal. Just business. App app wins by more than twenty four. Yeah, twenty five or twenty four and a half is the well, line. Right. They they, um, they win by thirty one easily. The only the only way they don't is if they do what I just said, which is like play their starters the first half and then just bench them. Yep. But but I mean I I and feel like with it being a it's irrelevant a at game, this point. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter what what it, it literally even if Georgia Southern came out and, and found a way to upset him, it wouldn't change anything for either of these teams. So, um, yeah, give me give me give me app against probably a third string quarterback playing for Georgia Southern on the road in Boone. No, give me give me app twenty four and a half easy. Man, that champion hey, that championship I game said is going to be about fun. BYU last week, I said BYU minus twenty was free money. If they had had the killer instinct that app does, it would the final score of that game would have been forty one seventeen. But they they did that weird thing where they decided to kneel it from like the five to end the game, I'm, I'm and I was like, that. like I get being I respectful, like, not running up the score, but like if you're inside the ten, go freaking score. And I heard BYU fans were upset because they think that that's going to hurt them down the line like, dude, there was there that, was like, the committee's gonna look at that game and go you should have won by more than 17 we had a we had a play a couple games ago we, we were we it was against troy uh last weekend and we were kneeling out the clock from the two like dude punch it in mm-hmm. like what, what are we doing that's uh, a good metaphor for what i'm doing to end this football season i'm kneeling it out from the two. Oh, good god Oh, good God. But no, man, that, that championship game on the 4th is going to be fun. App State and Louisiana. Um, this will be the 4th conference championship game? 5th. 4th. The 4th one. Technically the 3rd one, but the 4th yeah. one. Um, and it'll be the 3rd time that it is App State and Louisiana. Uh, but it's the 1st time that it's in Lafayette, and we're thrilled about it. Um, I actually Can I just say one thing really quick about the name pronunciation that we talked about a couple weeks ago. I thought about that this this image came into my head and I was cracking up sitting at my desk one day. So I assume you guys the city is named after the French Mar- soldier Marquis, Marquis de Lafayette. Yeah. Okay. I I just imagined like Alexander Hamilton brings him into the room and like introduces him to George Washington and he goes what is your name, soldier? And he goes, Marquis de Lafayette. <laughs> and George Washington goes, okay. <laughs> okay, boomer. 
<laughs> that's that's the way I feel felt about the pronunciation. Well, it's like it's like yeah, man. I read I read the Alexander Hamilton like book. Like I'm pretty sure he didn't pronounce his name Lafayette. Well, that's like that, that's like that's like you know on, on paper. New Orleans is supposed to be New Orleans. Yeah. But if you go to New Orleans and you say New Orleans, you're going to get backhanded. I don't know, man. I've heard I've heard Lil Wayne in a song say New Orleans. Because it probably flowed. Yeah. But still, I mean. Nah, dude. It's, no, and, 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 and if you talk to Lil Wayne in person, it's not even going to be New Orleans. It's Nylons. Yeah. It's Nylons. That, that, I, I had that visual of of Lafayette. Lafayette, so Lafayette is how you pronounce his name. That's like so funny. It, yes, his his name is Lafayette, but the town the to town's name Washington is Lafayette. And, and George Washington being like, "No, is it's pronounced like Laffy Taffy?" And he's like, "Yeah, <laughs> we." All right, we're we're cutting up way too much on this episode, but no, Brian. One thing we got to talk about before we get out of here is. Um, the coaching carousel has already begun to spin. Um, Billy Napier has been in the coaching candidacy conversation for multiple Power Five jobs here in the last you know week week and a half. Virginia Tech came open and his name was mentioned in that search. Obviously, his name was mentioned in the LSU shirt, LSU search. Um, but probably the most prominent one has been Florida. Uh, Florida Fire Dan Mullen uh, Sunday? Was it Sunday? Yeah, yeah it was yeah, Sunday. Sunday. Uh, and so here we are, not even a little over 24 hours later, and um, there were some rumors going around that the University of Florida plane was, oh, I saw the flight trackers, was, was, yeah. was, was spotted in Lafayette today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, some people are saying that the picture was old. I don't know. Uh, I, I will say that the picture of the plane. So there, there was a picture of the plane, and people were like, "Look at the tail number." Like, okay, yes, the tail number is registered to the University of Florida. However, I live five minutes from the Lafayette Regional Airport. Looking at the background of that picture of the plane, did not look like Lafayette Regional Airport. Mm. So, I mean, obviously, I, I could see where Florida could have come to Lafayette today to meet with Napier. Then I also could see how that's all just a giant load of crap. I don't know. Um, obviously, it's still very early to tell because knowing Billy Napier, nothing is going to get announced until at least after the championship game. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. He's, he won't let it happen. Yeah. Um, now the bowl game that could be a different story. Bowl games can be skipped out on. Mm-hmm. However, he's not going to let anything come out until after after the conference championship game next Saturday. But as the Louisiana guy, dude, Billy's gone. Mm-hmm. He's gone. There, there's no way that he is going to hear a contract offer from the University of Florida and say, "No, nah, I'm good." Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that could, the only thing that could come in the way of that is like, I know buyouts are nice and all, but Florida did just fire Dan Mullen after like his first down season 
with the team. And I know that more went into it this year than just wins and losses. But like if you're Napier and you're kind of looking at that and going, I don't know, like I don't want to start next year with someone else's recruits and go seven and five and then have people wanting my head on a plate. I think is the only thing, the only potential downside to that is like, they didn't even give Dan Mullen the end of his first down year before they cut him. And we're talking about a guy that beat Georgia last year. I think they won 10 or 11 games. I can't remember. I think it was 10. So, I mean, that would be my one drawback. If I'm Napier is like, you got to give me some time. Like also on the flip side, if I start hot, and I have a down year in year three, I can't be on the chopping block like as soon as it comes up. Right. Like the, getting getting fired from going from Louisiana where you're a superstar G5 coach that everybody's kind of w- wanting to going to Florida. And if he gets the, the Mullen treatment after three years, then it's like I'm kind of back where I started. I have a lot more money in my bank account. But right. like that people start looking at me as like a tainted asset versus right. like the superstar that I and, was. And, so. and you see, it's crazy because if you go back and you look through Billy Napier's resume, a lot of people don't realize this. He was Dabo Sweeney's first offensive coordinator. Yeah. And he was fired, right? Right. He, he was yeah. fired. And the, and, and, and the thing was, is that was all, you know, P5 ethics. They needed, they needed a fall guy. They didn't want Dabo to be the fall guy. Right. And so they fired Napier. Um, And then he went to Bama for a year, went to Colorado State, and was their quarterback coach for a year. Came back to Bama, was the wide receivers coach, coached, you know, Calvin Ridley, Jerry Judy, you know, won a couple national titles. Went to Arizona State to be the OC for a year or two. And then he's been in Louisiana for the last four. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, the resume is... The resume's there. there. There's no doubt about it. Um, See, then, I almost wonder if it might be better for him long term. And I, it wouldn't be better in the short term, and it wouldn't be better from like a money perspective, but it almost would be better long term if he ended up at like Virginia Tech, yep. where the expectations aren't as high. They will give you five years to prove yourself. And then plus... If you if you do well in that job, like you can those those other larger P five yep. jobs will always be always there. be there. Yep. But you're also not on the chopping block potentially after like two to three years if you can't win with. I mean, I've heard Mullen's recruiting class this year has been terrible. So like Napier is going to have to if he takes that job, he's going to have to do a lot of work and quickly or they're going to have an issue down the line yep. where it's like, well, 2021, I didn't recruit this team. Right. So we need to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, that, that's the issue with, with going to, to the big time, if you want to call it that, um, you know, like you said, obviously the bank account is going to grow significantly, but you know, but like what happens if you're Tom Herman and you're like a quality right. control coach for the Giants that no one wants any part of. Right. And you see B- Billy Napier, he, he's always been a guy that has wanted he, – he's talked about it numerous times at Louisiana. He's looking for security. I don't think that Florida is job security. 
no, it, it, because it, it, it gets to a point where it's almost like a, uh, a Viper pit. Right. And you're seeing it at certain schools. I mean, like Texas, I've already heard rumblings that they might be looking to out Sark after one season. That's insane. And, it, and it's like, you may not think that he's the guy, but at the very least you can't, you can't out him after one year. Like right. you just can't it, because, because not only are you not giving him a fair shot at the job, but then you're also poisoning the well down the line for any potential head coach that wants to come there because they're, they're like, well, I saw like, how you did that guy. Right. And as good as this job is and as good as the money is, I could go to LSU, Florida, USC and get a guaranteed like three years or they have to pay me 25 million to leave. Right. Whereas you guys like you will pay me 20 million to leave, but I'm going to be like a pariah. <laughs> like no one's going to want any part of me, like the same right. way they don't want any part of Tom Herman right now. Which, you know, it's funny you bring up Tom Herman because I was saying the other, today, I, I was asked, you know, if Billy Napier goes to Florida, who do you see the Cajuns getting to replace him? My first thought is you call Rob Sale. He was our offensive coordinator slash offensive lines, co- <clears throat> offensive lines yeah. coach, who's now the O-line coach for the New York Giants. Yeah. I think you call him, see if he would want to come back to be the head coach of the Cajuns. If for some reason that doesn't work out, I don't see how he wouldn't say yes because, in my opinion, a uh, head coaching job at a successful G5 is better than being an assistant in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, if he doesn't say yes, I think the next guy, next guy you call is Tom Herman. And let me tell yeah, you why. And I and I, no, I, you don't have to tell me why. Like, like you can obviously, but I said when Georgia Southern was looking for a head coach, I said I'd be all over Tom Herman right. because you've seen him take a G five to hmm. national prominence when right. he was with Houston, and he needs a redemption right now. Yeah, and this is the perfect program to be a redemption. He could he he would probably take far less money than he has, especially mm-hmm. what he took at Texas. Um, well, he's not going to get that money from anywhere. Right. No one's no, um, no, no program with that, with Texas type money is going to pay him. That. And, and like you said, he has a track record of taking G five teams and putting them in, in the national spotlight. Yeah. Uh, I mean, God, Houston to this day is still talked about th- those Tom Herman days. So I don't, I don't know. If Napier leaves, which obviously that's the last thing that that I want as a Cajuns guy, uh, I think you oh, call I think Tom Herman's the ideal fit. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think you call Rob Sale first, and if Rob Sale doesn't work out, you call Tom Herman. Yeah. But, um. So should we get to should we talk about Troy before we sign off? Yeah. Uh, Troy fired Chip Lindsey yesterday after a. Uh, pretty poor season they're five and six on the year and that's been his that's been his tenure with right. troy like every if you year go, he's an he's below 500 coach uh i believe he finishes his tenure nine and 13 as in in conference in the sunbelt coaching troy uh i i asked zeke last week when we were previewing because i said there you know there's no way Troy's going to be Appalachian State. So I asked him, I said, how hot do you think the seed is? And I said, I think it should be pretty hot. Um, he's 15 he's, he's, he's fifteen and 19 in his time at, George, at Troy. Yeah. And they gave him enough time to do something. And he's just kind of been a 500 coach. 
and they still have expectations from the Neil Brown years that they should be yep. competing for the East, and they just they they haven't uh haven't been anything close to that since Neil Brown moved on. Right. So, I I mean, they, I'm interested to see who they look at because uh, I think they. I mean, they could end up with Tom Herman too. Uh, I'm interested to see who they end up with because they need someone who's going to restore them back to what they were. And I just don't, I don't know. Like, I I don't know what the answer is. Um, They went with a, a, a guy in Lindsay who was an offensive coordinator under an offensive minded head coach. I've said a couple of times how much I hate that when I'm looking for a new head coach, I don't want a guy who I don't know if he designed the offense or called plays. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it's definitely going to be interesting. I, I feel like they're going to go in like a weird direction almost. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what Troy does. Um, like you said, they're, they're still recovering from, from losing Neil Brown, but uh, heck Neil Brown might get fired. <laughs> They yeah. might, he might end up right maybe, back. Maybe, Troy. maybe he can come back. <laughs> yeah. Um. But you know, Troy, Troy's got a history. Troy's got a, a storied football program. So, uh, I don't think they'll have trouble finding a guy to, to, to come in and take that program over. Um. But it'll be interesting to see what happens there. What happens at Louisiana? Uh. What what Clay Helton does at Georgia Southern. Uh. Twenty twenty two is going to be a fun year for for Sun Belt football. The the last one, as as it appears now. Mm-hmm. Going to be interesting, Brian. Man, before we go, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Watch the Stones, and you can find me on Twitter at Miguez Matt. Both M's capitalized. Like we said, this week we'll have a bunch of big rivalry games in the Sun Belt leading up to next week's Dynamite Conference Championship game between Louisiana and App State. We'll bring you all that and so much more. Everybody have a happy Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you guys soon. This has been another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast.